Uh, Justin, can you do the Tim Allen noise? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> can- that was just curiosity. It didn't lead to anything. <laughs> hey, we're plaid lads. Let's start the show. It's Thanksgiving. It's wait, no, 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 no. We're gonna do it my way or the highway. <laughs> Spring a scene on you. <laughs> Welcome everybody. Oh, we, sorry we didn't see you there. Why don't you come on in for a down country Thanksgiving meal? I brought you a pancake. You can eat it over there. Don't look at grandfather. He don't like to get looked at. Now you can watch the television or you can gut the turkey. It's all up to you, but you're going to do something because that's how hospitality works. Now, if you don't mind me, I'm going to go out there and feed the dog some scraps from this chicken I found. Now the turkey will be up in 27 minutes and you best be eating it or I swear to God, you don't want to know what I will do to you. You don't I will do to you know. what I did to all the sons and daughters of man. <laughs> Anywho, welcome <laughs> to Thanksgiving, everybody. I love you all. <laughs> wow, that was a spooky segment, Justin. Are you sure that it's not the spooktacular? Nothing's a spooktacular anymore because we're having a Thanksgiving bar. We're here to talk about... Warm, itchy sweaters and 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 mm. and Sam Adams Oktoberfest that you still have, uh, even though it's November and uh, there's leaves. Maybe they're wet. Maybe it's overcast. It's really dark, and your family's here, and they're all racist. Now let's sit- every single one of them. Let's pretend we like eating all this food. Mm-hmm. We probably do. We do. It's nice. We do. It's it's good food. Um. It's particularly the turkey. I'm a I'm a pro turkey guy, especially if you get to the dark meat. Mm. I know Tom is on a, a no animal protein anything diet. I believe they call that vegetarianism. Is is that a thing? Yeah, uh, no, I'm a I'm a I'm I don't know. I've I've got my what like my five year token now on the on the veg train. How, now, how does that work with a? Were you a turkey eater on Thanksgiving? Oh yeah, before I was a turkey consumer, and like Frank, I liked me some dark meat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, what does that now mean to you? I, I'm not a fan of turkey, but I eat it on Thanksgiving because like that's such a thing. Now, what, do you have anything that means Thanksgiving to you that you get to consume? It's ruined Thanksgiving for me, food wise. Yeah. But uh, I was always a picky eater growing up, mm. so it, I had this glorious like five year period where I grew up enough to enjoy all the food that was on the Thanksgiving platter, and then I turned vegetarian, and now it's just I pretend like eating a plate of entirely starch foods mm. is okay, and then just go back to what I really want to do, which is drink. Mm. Mm. You don't even get it on like the green beans or the Brussels sprouts or anything like that. Here's, well, okay, I mean. A meatless, I mean, it's good. It's good. It's tasty, but it's like pointless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like I'm, I guess I'm, so. I'm eating a plate of sides. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like stuffing with mashed potatoes, with yams, with, uh, yeah, it's just, it's all starch. And uh, I eat it and uh, 
it's more about hanging out and the conversation. It's just, uh, and you now, know, I, here's the thing about uh, Thanksgiving. It always used to be my favorite holiday. And it was kind of because it brought my family together in the sense of my immediate nuclear family. I would love them even more in comparison to the rest of my awful racist family. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's true. Wait, they're listening. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. Yeah. Thanksgiving, I would also nominally say is my favorite holiday with giving the exception that yes, I know it is founded on a horrible mm-hmm. black mark history of genocide what? that never be atoned for. But buddy, buddy, yeah, we're we're not celebrating uh, the Columbian Exchange in its entirety on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. We're, the settlers at what? What? what the, the, this was the Massachusetts one, right? Yeah, it was the Massachusetts. And one. it was it was the it was the Powhatan Confederation. Yeah, Powhatan. And they kind of they they fucked each other over a bit, but you know, like it's not Trail of Tears Festival Day. You know what I mean? It's not like uh, yeah, but it's also not the the Native bullshit people. where we're we're fed all through school. I highly yeah. suggest listening to the dollop episode on it. Yeah, the dollop will uh, set a lot of people straight on Thanksgiving. But that's the thing that the the concept of Thanksgiving uh, can completely be divorced. <laughs> From from all of that, it's literally just a day to give thanks and be with the ones you love. I think. And to get drunk in the middle of the week. Thanksgiving eventually, I don't know when it happened, but eventually it it just became a um, pregame feast for Christmas. When did that happen? Because I growing up, I remembered it being a holiday. <laughs> its own I think thing. That- I think that's just a consequence of you getting older because I had that same thought and I kind of like forced myself out of that thought process and like learned to take it individually. But for a long time, I felt the same way of like, oh, man, like Thanksgiving's now not a big deal. Everybody's just prepping for Christmas. Like I'm just prepping for Christmas. Mm -hmm. But you kind of have to like change your mindset a little bit and try to divorce yourself from the the. Christmas season domination that's forced into your brain by commercialism. Mm -hmm. And that's been really difficult for me for like five years because I had been working retail for so long and it probably still is like I'm still not totally out of that retail mindset. Like I still get anxiety when I see Christmas decorations on things Mm -hmm. and I'm not currently working in that field, but I still like, oh, fuck, people are going to yell at me at a register. (laughs) God damn it. Um now, I, I, I am all for the complete um, uh, takeover of Christmas, <laughs> um, but I, I think I want to I want to tell you people out there, you know, take this Thanksgiving and like sit in it, really yeah. live in it. Have a little turkey. Have some turkey. little sweet potato with marshmallow if that's your thing. Some people hate that dish. Hey, hey, different strokes for different folks, man. We just gotta sit there and you gotta feel some love in your heart. And you're going to put it out in the world. And then you have to uh, gank a soccer mom over <laughs> the next day. Exactly. Not even the next day now. We got some fucking places that are open on Thanksgiving, which is fucking loathsome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's a disgusting fucking <laughs> world out there. Well, okay. Here's the Here's the weird thing. Because Thanksgiving as we know it was invented in the early 20th century mm-hmm. uh, to extend the uh, Christmas shopping season. 
Before then, people weren't shopping for long enough, so they decided to give a de facto beginning about a month out uh, with our modern modern incarnation of uh, Thanksgiving. But something beautiful happened. After about 50 years, we forgot that little detail, and suddenly it was something worthwhile in itself, a day where it was, regardless of religion, where uh, this flimsy notion was created that it was about different kinds of people coming together, and you would travel to grandma's house, and and, and, and it was a, also a day of service where you might volunteer or, or donate food, and people were very giving, and then slowly, its uh, dastardly retail-based origin has come back, and come back and eaten it, eaten it all again. But you know what? We're, we're pushing back. We're pushing back. Some some retailers are taking a stand, even if it is a publicity thing, to not be open on Thanksgiving. To, <laughs> to, uh, I thought you were going to say we're pushing back by blowing up brick and mortar stores. <laughs> people are pushing back by collapsing the retail <laughs> sector. <laughs> and soon, like the pilgrims of old, we will wander the earth. With with uh-huh. unclean drinking water and uh, everybody dying from from the elements killing us and uh, us, tribes of people warring with one another and maybe one day we'll come together and and eat some dead rabbits and uh... <laughs> and then a hundred years after that that's the post nuclear horror and then a hundred years after that we get Star Trek future. <laughs> Engage <laughs> Earl Grey hot. <laughs> oh man, I love me some Star Trek. Do we want to make this a Star Trek episode yeah, instead? I, yeah, let's do it. There's... I'm grateful for Star Trek, guys. I, we, I, I, I need to bring this I would, up. I would be remiss if we did not discuss, touch on this. It's such a big, wonderful part and such a weird fucking thing is the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Are you guys a watchers? Do you watch? I, I catch parts. I don't dedicatedly no, watch. No, yeah. Frank, you strike me as such a uh, hardcore Philadelphian that if you aren't a mummer yourself, you either watch or attend the <laughs> mummer's parade. Uh, so that's New Year's Day. Uh, mm. I fucking despise the mummers. I think that's the most embarrassing Philadelphia tradition in history. I think it should be abolished. Mm-hmm. It's racist. It's shitty. It's not entertaining. It's not fun. It's not funny. Get rid of it. It's a, it's a tradition that exists for white people from South Philadelphia to be racist in and continue on in those racist uh, institutions and communities and just presenting it as a tradition. I fucking hate it. Get rid of it. We already got rid of Wing Bowl. There's no Wing Bowl this year. So let's get, the, let's get rid of the mummers too. Uh, so I, I thought that it was on Thanksgiving because I'm a very not Philadelphian. I'm I'm an indigenous South Jerseyan, and uh, you're probably not familiar with what we do. We go out to the Pine Barrens, and there's these weird animals where we crossbred uh, mm-hmm. deer with turkeys, and we we race them. And the winner we eat, mm-hmm. and that's that's the uh, piney thing. That sounds delicious. That sounds like chocobos. It's also it's also a, it's it's a euphemism we uh, tell to our children. It's uh, it's just we meet up with our cousins and fuck them. <laughs> Drink a lot of shine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I love the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. I will sit there and I'll eat a little pastry. 
and I will watch it and I'll watch scene uh, performances from shitty Broadway shows and I'll get to see for the first and only time within the year who all the little kids are fawning over and then like a like a bat out of hell coming up the rear fuck you snoopy fuck you uh spider-man grew and (laughs) here comes fucking santa claus to say fuck thanksgiving christmas is better (laughs) i gotta say um there is something to thanksgiving though Mm. there is a thing there is a magic yes there's a magic to it and it's a special magic uh, because it's not based on the stress of gift giving, and it's uh, it's, uh, it's you wake up and there's smells, mm-hmm. all the weird nice stuff. If you're living at home or visiting home, all the weird nice stuff you never see is out, mm-hmm. uh, and and the the place is decorated, and everybody who turns up is wearing so much aftershave and perfume. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like my one cousin was just like a walking Old Spice bottle. That's a memory for me, and uh, you know people. The older people in your family have have dug out uh, uh, weird, nice clothes that you didn't know they own, Mm -hmm. and they're from past decades. Uh, uh, The young, hip people are showing off their cool threads, and you sit down, and everybody looks great, and you pretend to get along for, like, a few minutes. And And then uh, send someone to something racist, and you got to deal with it. And then you get angry, and you go upstairs, and you listen to uh, the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack on vinyl. Hang on. Yeah. (laughs) That was really specific. Yeah, it is very specific. (laughs) Fuck my racist (laughs) family. (laughs) Here's here's a good segue. There's the trope that it's like a a regular um, uh, part of the holiday that I see in like TVs and film. It's never happened in my family. I want to ask you guys if you guys, it's part of your life. And then I want to do that with us. You know, I want to hold hands and do it. It. (laughs) Do you go around the table and, and say what you're thankful for? Not once. Never, 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 never. That, why do they do that in movie? Is that a thing though? I've never it's, met a single person who does that because it's weird I don't think and it awkward and in public. And yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, uh, Friendsgiving, the recent tradition, which is the double-edged sword of being a pretentious young people thing and reminding me I don't have enough friends to be invited mm-hmm. to one. Uh, uh, that seems like the place. Like I would be more willing to tell my mm-hmm. friends and acquaintances and get real with them what I'm thankful for. My family, yeah, like you're saying, that's like being in public. Yeah, yeah. That's you're surrounded by people that you, the people in the world you want most not to know anything about you. <laughs> at least speaking for myself, <laughs> as far as everyone at this table knows, I'm doing just fine. Mm-hmm. You don't have to ask about me. And yes, I did pass the third grade. I didn't get left back. <laughs> Sorry, Aunt Hilda. <laughs> I don't have an Aunt Hilda. Well, okay, let's let's all hold hands. Let's light the candle. Um, the pentagram is set up nicely. Um, uh, hail Satan, hail Satan. Bring me something good to eat. I love you all. Take me to hell, big boy. <laughs> you can't see it, but there's a yellow king. <laughs> yes. <laughs> let's go around this table, this Thanksgiving table, and say what are we thankful for? Who wants to start? 
Justin. Okay. <laughs> okay. This I'm thankful for this experience. <laughs> this happened to me like a week ago. So I am um, awoken by a loud crash outside my house and I look out and um, <laughs> the, um, uh, the power line is completely smashed over. Uh, apparently a drunk driver smashed into it. Oh no. I know. It was nuts. So I had to get on the phone with the cable company. Wait, 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 wait. What happened to the drunk driver? The drunk driver, he had a kid in the car. Whoa. Um oh, and everybody was fine. He was arrested though. That's usually what happens. That's what happens. The kid was arrested? The kid arrested the guy. <laughs> oh man. Deep undercover. <laughs> <laughs> He's Vincent Adultman. <laughs> Anyway, I had to get on the phone with the cable company, and it was um, a nice young lady uh, in the Philippines. Uh, so she's taking me through it. It's it's very nice, and, and she's very helpful. And then it's uh, she has to reset something, and so she starts asking me, like, so, like, what's the weather like uh, over there? And my heart sank in my chest because we had to do uh, fucking small talk. <laughs> I said it's it's kind of chilly, and she said, "Oh, I wish I wish I could be there. I wish I was in America. It's never like that here." I said, "Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever." Um, <laughs> Real compassionate, ding dong. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just, good uh, job, buddy. <laughs> I'm standing here in a meatball covered uh, <laughs> t-shirt, waiting for uh, <laughs> my internet to come on so I can watch uh, Twitch my videos. Fat, my fucking fat boy shows <laughs> while you live in the Philippines and have to talk to me on the phone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> so she says um uh you sound like a bodybuilder <laughs> i say oh okay <laughs> and she says uh do you sing and i told her no <laughs> but justin <laughs> but justin you do sing oh i sing beautifully listen to me out there lady if you're listening one heart and two hearts make three hearts there's another heart in the back room if you want it you can grab that heart and we can have a feast of hearts <laughs> and then she said are you are you on the radio are you a radio personality did you find the first fan of our podcast possibly Possibly. Did you accidentally call a sex line? We'll, yeah. we'll, get, we'll get there because I was thinking, what the fuck is going on? My annoyance at having to talk to another human being was replaced by, what's going on here? She gets back uh, to being professional. <laughs> oh, she asks, like, how old are you? I said, 29. She said, I'm 22. That's like, not professional. I was like, okay. <laughs> Half your age plus seven. Um, so then it, she's back to it. She's, uh, taking me through some stuff and then we come to the end. She sets up an appointment and, um, she says, uh, bye, Mr. Justin. I said, uh, bye. Thank you. Uh, she said, bye, Mr. Bodybuilder. And I laughed at her. <laughs> and then she said, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck happened to you? How did I, that happen? I, I don't know what happened, but... Uh, I'm in love, guys. <laughs> uh, this is a weird way to tell us you're getting married. <laughs> Cue to Wilson Pickett. <laughs> so well, anyway, that's uh, that's what happened to me. Well, best of luck 
to you. Thank you. I'm very thankful. You're going to end up in one of those Filipino prisons that they see on Locked Up Abroad. (laughs) Yeah, man. I wouldn't go, man. You're going to get scammed into being a drug uh, mule. I would uh, recommend not going. (laughs) Give it a hard pass there. Or, or, or you activate the gringo protocol. Ooh. That's true, but... (laughs) Being invited, I think, kind of takes uh, away from it. You have to go there and enforce your whiteness on me. Yeah, you have to flee something, I think, is part of the gringo protocol. Mm. Plus, I don't don't think you can have a wife in the gringo protocol. Oh, yeah, you're right. You you can't have one wife in the gringo protocol. You can have a second wife in the gringo protocol. You can have a secret second family. (laughs) You can't just have a first family because then you're just a regular expatriate. (laughs) Yeah. You have to be dreading the day uh, Linda finds you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. You know Billy has asthma. (laughs) Shut up, Linda. I am God here. <laughs> running running water over your bald head like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. They write fuck on the side of the airplanes because it's vulgar. <laughs> uh, hey, lads. Yes? Now that we've finished talking about Thanksgiving, uh-huh. why don't we talk about a movie yes. about a man who uh-huh. is super thankful Arigato! Arigato! So much so that his name is what? Arigato-san! Mr. Thank You! Mr. Thank You! That's right. This week on the pod, we did the 1937 Hiroshi Shimizu film Mr. Thank You, which is based on a short story by a Japanese author whose name I can't remember. I had it in my research notes and I forgot to bring them. Aww. Left them at work. <laughs> That's so sad. Somebody's going to find those notes. I know. And- They're mixed in with my uh, notes about very important legal things. <laughs> so... Like some prosecutor is going to find it and, and, and think that you're like cracking this case open. Like, oh, I never really considered if the Yakuza would be involved in this, this racket. Yeah, my, my notes are mostly like horny cigarette lady, guy with great mustache. So what are these code names? Yeah, I think horny cigarette lady was the sequel uh, to Mr. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about that? I'll get into the plot in a second, mm-hmm. but can we talk about that guy's mustache? He had a great fucking mustache. He had a great mustache. He had a fake fucking mustache. A fake, fake, Thank you very great much. Fucking mustache. They, uh, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> but we'll get to it. <laughs> there's a lot that's great and a lot that's odd about this film. I think because it came so early on in filmmaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually early. not like not that early on in filmmaking we're like 40 years into the practice filmmaking's yeah, like but a they still 19th century thing it was also still the time before they ever figured out how to end a movie <laughs> right well you know where i put that i put that on the fact that it's based on a short story and True. short stories often have like bullshit structures like this like they're very whimsical and wistful mm. and they tend to not have definitive endpoints. Yeah. So the the movie 
is kind of about not much at all. It's about a bus driver who goes by the name Mr. Thank You because he says arigato to pretty much everybody he sees, mm-hmm. to people in the road, to people who get on his bus, to pretty much everything. And in fact, thankfulness is a recurring element of the script. People thank him. Mm-hmm. People thank each other. People thank fellow passengers. It's kind of a sort of leitmotif of the dialogue. Um, but this particular cheery bus driver makes his way from rural Japan to the great big old city of Tokyo in 1937 when Emperor Hirohito was at the height of his power and Imperial Japan was about to make a satanic bargain with none other than Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler and launch the world into a terrible conflict, the likes of which has never been seen again. Yeah. However, <laughs> at this time... in <laughs> we were also in the midst of a global depression and Japan was feeling it. And this young girl is about to be sold into basically sex slavery, which is what being a geisha was mm-hmm. um, by her grandma. And she hops on Mr. Thank you's old bus towards Tokyo. And there are a lot of really eccentric old people who uh, come in and, and have us along the way. So we've got, a, a, I'm realizing uh, we have watched so many movies that uh, involve a uh, a traveling transportation vessel filled with uh, 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 characters who can be, be described by what role they fulfill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pelham one two three. Uh, last week with Wild Strawberries. These 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 road trip movies. And uh, so in this one, we've got <clears throat> Arigato san, mm-hmm. who is this um, uh, polite and attentive. Uh, civil servant who goes the extra mile relaying messages for poor family walking families walking along the road mm-hmm. uh, he uh, stops and helps people out uh, we see uh, when they pass a group of migrant workers who have just finished a road project and now they're moving to another uh, we kind of see the end of a relationship he's had over we can assume weeks and months Wait, with, uh, uh, with a young girl a friendly acquaintance ship but mm-hmm. still it meant a lot to both of them you can tell uh, and uh, he's he's passing out cigarettes if you ask politely, uh, and and uh, uh, all the girls love him. He cuts a striking figure in his in his uniform. Handsome uh, man. He's a he's a very handsome guy, uh, and kind. Very kind. You can tell. Yeah, for as nice as he is, the film does a good job of making him nice and also worldly. Yes, like he's not just a pushover guy. He's been around. He's had an actual life, mm-hmm. and you can tell that the way he acts is out of a genuine kindness rather than sort of a sap, yeah, um, yeah. sort of drippy uh, sentimentality about the world. He he um, also acts almost as a <clears throat> like a tour guide, telling um, some of the people on the bus about the various sorrows that uh, people have uh, gone through, including a. Uh, there's one man who gets off of the bus to go to a mine. Yeah. Um, and he tells the story of him that he, uh, I think, sold his daughter off. Right. Um, to save. Yeah, to save the mine. Meanwhile, save, it's not producing any silver, I think it was. Any silver, and uh, but he still goes back there uh, with the hope that it'll produce he's he's worldly because of his job now he's probably yeah. got a backstory as well but he's got a first-hand view of sort of the hardships mm-hmm. of interwar depression in japan um 
But moving away from Mr. Thank You, because there's a lot more to talk about, sort of, uh, we have uh, the young girl and her grandmother, who are sort of uh, a bit, uh, they're, they're country folk. Yes, the young girl is uh, kind of like the point of view character, yeah. and she doesn't speak throughout most of the film and toward, until towards the end. Um and she's just uh, hearing all of the <laughs> um, darkness of this world, and she keeps getting hints at what she can expect in Tokyo, and she uh, is just getting crushed more and more throughout the film. Up until a, a, a really poignant moment where she actually starts to cry, and uh, 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 Mr. Thank You was so moved by this that he has a rare breach in his professionality and nearly drives the uh, bus off a cliff. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, just moving on with the cast of characters in the bus, basically there's two other people besides the girl, Mr. Thank You, uh, who are, uh, there is the oh-so-sleazy, uh, uh, I think he's, he's like a loan shark uh, guy, Who's who's just a curmudgeon? He's a perv. He's lutching after the seventeen-year-old. He's he's complaining about the sort of the camaraderie when they they share drinks and sing on the bus. Uh, he's just a hates, dick. Uh, hates the country bumpkins. Mm-hmm. And his foil um, is uh, a delightful, worldly wise, snarky, sassy, uh, uh, the real hero of this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Don't know her name. Does she have a name? I don't know, Frank. No, I think they name the characters by type, right, rather than by name, in the cast list. She's the Ross Doyle of the bus, and uh, she's the sassy girl who sits right behind Mister Thank You. She's obviously smitten with the guy, trying to get on his good side, mm-hmm. but she's not. She's, she's not fixated on it, and she's just hanging out. Well, I think she she kind of is fixated on it throughout the film until the she, end. We'll get. She's to extremely horned, as mm-hmm. the kids would say. <laughs> she she has the thirst. Uh, and, uh, she's just, uh, she's kind of like the Greek chorus for a reason. She's, 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 uh, always putting the curmudgeon in his place, Mm -hmm. uh, keeping everybody, uh, acting right. Uh, there's this great, uh, dynamic, or I don't know, just this great device where there's this fancy car that keeps getting on the bus's Mm -hmm. ass and tailgating it and then passing it, uh, and zooming ahead on the highway and, uh, uh, each time, uh, further down the road. Uh, they drive past the same car and it's broken down. And uh, uh, Mr. Thank You will say to everyone in his way, uh, thank you, and we always see them. The film always shows them, except it looks like the camera went through them. It's like you don't know. The, the roads are very narrow. Anyway, he drives past everybody and he goes, Arigato, and it's really nice. But he's not a dick. He's not a snarky guy. So he doesn't do that when they pass this fancy car that went zooming past. But our uh, great female character, uh, very sarcastically, will go, Arigato, mm-hmm. you fuckers. Yeah. It's great. Uh, so two things I, I noted about this movie. The score, yes. the, pri- the prominent theme of the score is literally just the horn on the bus. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and two, the thought I kept having with how honest it was about the economic struggles of yes. Japan's time yes, yes, um, yes. and how unfair a society uh, Japan at the time and probably still is uh, was to, to women. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a little bit amazed that this movie got made yeah. and released. Yeah. This movie opened my eyes. Uh, uh, I have been known to uh, uh, remind people <laughs> about 
uh, how monstrous Japan had been in the Second World War and its imperial phase, uh, remind people about the rape of Nanking and things whenever we get into sort of like Japanophilic uh, hysteria. I'll just go, well, you know, they're also capable of some of the worst atrocities the world has ever seen. Um, and uh, so I'm not a fan of Imperial Japan. I don't think anybody really is a fan of Imperial Japan. But anyway, uh, this movie was so freaking humanizing to that pre-war period, that pre-war uh, World War and uh, Imperial buildup, uh, and uh, really humanized the folks who lived there, who I just assumed were all had drank the Kool Aid and and just just raring to go for war, and there was so much suffering, and you could. Uh, I don't think we saw any inkling of the Sino-Japanese War or their imperial expansion or the uh, the Japan-Russian War. We saw none of that. Maybe we saw some like young cadet Boy Scout guys uh, who went bonsai like once. But uh, yeah, you, you, you would just think it was just another depression-stricken country in the world. It made me realize that I hadn't seen very many Japanese movies that were pre-war every japanese movie that i had seen of note was for the most part post-war mm-hmm. uh like Kurosa- most of kurosawa's work is post-war it's you know 50s onward mm-hmm. um and that's a very different japan for a lot of reasons um because it's post uh nuclear japan uh and everything that uh comes along with that um, so this, this pre-war, pre-nuclear Japan, it was, uh, something that, uh, post Meiji restoration though. So post Meiji restoration pre-war, uh, was a very interesting slice of Japanese life that I don't see in the cinemas very often. Same, same with only having seen post-war. I think a really good bookend for, for this film might be Tokyo story. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's on the docket eventually, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, as uh, Tom alluded to earlier, there's the sassy character who I'll call Yas Queen. Um, <laughs> oh fuck! Who who I um um I think is the uh, true protagonist of the film. She's the one who uh, changes the most. She's commenting on everything that's happening. Uh, throughout the film and it seems like she is just going to be like the Greek chorus but there's a, a a moment in the middle where the grandmother of the young girl uh, offers candy uh, to everybody on the bus uh, and then yes queen uh, sees this and is I don't know what her reaction true really is but she kind of f- I guess feels threatened or something because then she takes out some, um, uh, sake. I am, uh, possibly could be, I think. Um, and or then so tries you. to get them, uh, them offer it to all the men on the bus. And at first they say, no, we prefer sweets. And then eventually they start accepting it. So it's a very odd moment. But I think a very powerful moment uh, getting inside this this character's head. And I think throughout the film, she is very sassy. Um, but you can tell she uh, is getting tore up inside that she sees Mr. Thank You uh, kind of looking at the young girl and having like sympathy for her. And you almost feel like uh, she's going to somehow sabotage it. But toward the end, 
she starts talking about like you know what's really going to happen to her there she's going to be like forced into sex work and you think okay that's when she's her uh she's uh sabotaging everything but she puts the idea into Mr. Thank You's mind that you know you can do something about this and spoiler alert it's like implied that mr thank you and the young girl will get married and everything's saved yeah but does he does it is he gonna marry her i mean he's been saving up a nest egg and his plan is he's Mm. he's gonna buy a car for himself and i guess start his own like cab or livery or i don't know something yeah um but then uh she goes like uh you can either have a new cadillac or or uh, and I found it funny that it was an American brand. I think it was a Chevy or something. Mm. You can either buy a used Chevy, or uh, uh, you know, do something about it. But is he gonna marry her? And and like when he's driving back, he doesn't seem altogether pleased. That <laughs> he's accepting and seeing of the suffering in the world throughout the whole film, and it takes until the end, where he's basically told, "You can do something about this." And I think that's a beautiful fucking statement, uh, which I didn't fully get uh, when I first watched it. But thinking back on it, it's like, oh, no, okay, yeah, there is. And I'd be very interested in reading the short story uh, that this is based off of, because I'm sure uh, it's uh, clearer. (laughs) Guys, I I just looked up the uh, critical interpretation and what was meant by Mm. you can either buy the used Chevy or help her out. Uh, was that instead of her going to Tokyo and being sold as a geisha, you should buy her as a geisha. <laughs> and then uh, we find out in the sequel short stories that he continues to buy geishas uh, and opens his own bordello and uh, actually becomes the founder of uh, those panty vending machines we've oh, all heard Jesus about. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, that'd be pretty funny. <laughs> I'm welled up in Nazareth Was feeling about half past dead Was new to find a place Where I can lay my head Hey, mister, can you show me Where I am up on the bed Ooh, ooh, ooh He just grinned, shook my hand no was all he said. Tom, what Tom, what album are we talking about this week if you couldn't tell? Oh fuck. Uh yeah, so this week we are basking in the autumnal wonderful glory, something we're all thankful for. 1968's music from Big Pink by none other than the, the band. band. Uh featuring <laughs> uh this is the first first record, correct? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 totally. The band formerly the Hawks, uh, supporting Robbie Hawkins? Uh, yes. Yeah. Let's say so. Yeah, why not? Uh, uh, some of the. Ronnie Hawkins. Ronnie Hawkins. Uh, some of the best freaking uh, live hip shooter musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robbie Robertson, Richard Manuel, Rick Danko, Garth Hudson, and Levon Helm. All playing Everybody's together. Everybody's favorite. They had been uh, touring with uh, Bob Dylan after he went electric. Sans uh, Levon. Yes. Well, well, he was started with them the first few, um, and then he left because he couldn't handle the pressure. BTS yeah, he, was, he was not on the most famous show. Yeah. 
uh, the uh, drummer at that show is better known as the big guy from Home Improvement. <laughs> can be construction drumming on drumming on, on a, a trash, trash can, can. banging <laughs> on a street light. You're well, a liar. Now we gotta do, we gotta do stop making sense. What? So the banging on a trash can. They do the big suit from Stop Making Sense. Oh, they yeah. do. Yeah, but well, that's think big. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, anyway. The band, the band, and uh, uh, after Bob Dylan crashed his moped, uh, <laughs> they retired to. <laughs> he very slowly ran it into a tree, <laughs> saying, "Oh man, oh man, I'm about." Oh, I'm about to break my leg. <laughs> uh, they, Although he did break his leg. And they went to a place in the Catskills or somewhere close to Woodstock in a big pink house. And they built an impromptu studio and uh, wrote a bunch of songs that became the basement tapes with Bob Dylan. And they realized that, hey, uh, we should cut out on our own. So they uh, pushed Bob Dylan in a mud puddle and stuff. <laughs> Said, fuck you, guy. Go go record Nashville Skyline. We're going to make music history as as the titans of Olympus of, of, of musical uh, uh, everything. And they recorded these songs. Songs like The Weight and Chest Fever and and uh, was This Wheel's on Fire. Uh, long Black rage. Veil. Long Black Veil. Lonesome Susie, I hear your DTL. Oh, God, no, don't ruin this. Well, that's what that, that is. What that is. song's about, though. It's about fucking another uh, man's wife, right? No, that's Long Black Veil. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they're all, all, every band song is about fucking another man's wife. <laughs> so I, it's a great album. This is a great album. Um,. I don't like it as much as some of their other albums. That said, that that yeah. said, you cannot stress enough how immensely important this album was. It set the stage for it's it's weird, it's strange, it's odd. But like around this time, you know, you have uh Velvet Underground and Nico. And then only a few years later, you've got um, Black Sabbath's first album. And these are three albums people like to talk about, especially the Velvet Underground one. But the the um, Black Sabbath album uh, was huge as well. But this album is um, talked about by the right kind of person, yeah, but is not as uh, held up by the mainstream. But it was huge that splintering effect of um, various genres. I want to point uh, push back a little bit on this idea that um, the band was sort of an un like aged into an unknown entity or like an unknown quantity. In popular culture, um, my first exposure to the band was around the same age as you guys, mm. which is to say like 17. And it was uh, around Christmas Eve. And my dad put on a Blu-ray copy of The Last Waltz that he got for Christmas. Yeah. And I saw The Last Waltz and I was like, uh, it was uh, the first thing I saw was the band playing Ophelia. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, Levon was singing and playing the drums, and I was like, who the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. That rules. And then I watched Van Fat Van Morrison <laughs> <laughs> in that purple jumpsuit. Yes. And he does those high kicks. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, high, high might be generous. High. <laughs> Well, he, he does kicks. He was high while kicking. I think that could be how you meant it. He was yes. kicking like a drunk man kicking a cat. <laughs> yeah. And I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And I immediately downloaded the the last waltz on iTunes and I sort of worked backwards from there. Uh, you're not. You're right. You're right. Because uh, sometimes like I, I love the last waltz. My exposure to it was watching it deliberately, like seeking it out. Mm-hmm. But sometimes like if I'm just sort of like killing time watching TV at night, I'll have to make myself not watch the last waltz. Cause oh, it's, yeah. it's just on, it's just it, on so often. Yeah. This album, uh, has some, uh, uh writer contributions from Bob Dylan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Allen Zimmerman. Yes. Robert Allen Zimmerman. Uh, stuff they had worked out together in the basement tape sessions. Um, including songs like Ouch My Leg Hurts. I can't believe I got in that accident. I, I miss you, Joan Baez. Uh huh. Uh huh. Amphetamine uh-huh. sure are nice. <laughs> yes. Which is yes. other thing. Um, uh, Tears of Rage. Um, These are real ones now. Um, yeah. This wheel's on fire. This wheel's on fire. I shall be released. Uh, where's that uh, little grabby thingy? <laughs> now, now we're back in the fake ones. Uh, does anybody have a fork I can use to scratch under my cast? Um, <laughs> I'm going to wander around the suburbs of uh, Ritzy, North Jersey, and the cop that pulls me over is not going to believe me when I say I'm Bob Dylan. Yes. I'm Bob Dylan. I'm Bob Dylan. That's the thing that happened to him. Oh yeah, no, he was he was getting high with Willie Nelson, and he just wandered <laughs> out into the street. True story. He was he smoked up with Willie Nelson. <laughs> no, anyway, the, back to the band. Back to the band. This one has uh, the first three records. This is before Richard Manuel destroyed his voice mm-hmm. with drinking, and he's my favorite band voice. His voice so beautiful i used to confuse it with rick's listening but it's got I such a too. distinct rough velvety and so much soul he, he he's the one who yanks the tears uh from from my soul mm. did, did we lose the part of the recording where i said i had like a three-way tie of the band voices that make me cry not anymore. We haven't lost it because he just okay. did it again. He just did it again. So, yeah. So there are – I whenever I listen to this album, uh, it's a competition of whose singing voice makes me cry more, Richard Manuel, Rick Danko, or Levon Helm. And it's just – it's a tie. There's nothing better when they all go together, though. Songs like Acadian yeah. Driftwood. Mm. Oh, yeah, man. Acadian Driftwood. But that's, that's a different album. Oh, my God. Uh, so Frank hates Robbie Robertson, and now me and Justin are going to yell at him about how he's wrong. You fucking stupid piece of shit! What are you even thinking about, Tom? Take over. He wrote Robbie most Robertson. of the songs on this record, he and wrote, he's an amazing guitar player. He's an amazing guitar player. Uh, here's the thing: I, I got to a certain age where my loyalties shifted. 
Uh, no longer was I a John Lennon fan. I was a Paul McCartney. I was no longer a David Gilmour uh, fan. I was a Roger Waters. The people who everybody likes to shit on because it's like, oh, they're megalomaniacal little guys. They're also the creative force within that band. Is that true for Mike Love, too? <laughs> I will say, though, that... Gotcha there. <laughs> it's a testament to the band. I don't know. They're they're all phenomenal musicians. They're all totally idiosyncratic, highly innovative. Uh, nobody sings and plays like Rick Danko on a fretless bass. Uh, nobody can play like Garth Hudson. Nobody. Levon Helm is far and away my favorite drummer, and I believe far and away the best drummer. Uh, and and he sings while playing in. And he sings, ladies. And he, oh my god! And he plays the mandolin and makes my heart explode with all the glory. But that's not on this record. Uh, we'll get to it. Who is it that said he was the only drummer whose singing voice can make you cry? That's like a famous <gasps> plaid lads. <coughs> Wait. <coughs> Describe what's happening to me, Tom. <coughs> Uh, he's giving birth. <laughs> screaming. <laughs> for, for context, there is a chest burster, but it's a little naked Fraser Crane. Plaid lads love Fraser, everybody. This week, <laughs> Dr. Fraser Crane and his brother decide oh, we're going to go do, get some steak. They see their father, Martin, having a date, seemingly, with a crying woman. They think he's fucking her, but she's crying, so an affair happened years ago, maybe. <laughs> Niles finds his diary, looks in it, puts it together. Yes, Dad definitely had an affair with that lady. But wait a second, there's more to this story, fellas. Because Niles isn't, isn't his father, Martin is. <laughs> Martin didn't have Jesus an affair. Christ. It was their mother who had the affair. It's very cathartic. It's um, a beautiful time, head by all. And they grow together, Martin and Frazier, because both of their wives cheated on them. This is season one, episode uh, eight, Beloved Infidel. I, I love how when we conceived of this show many moons ago, mm -hmm. it was conceived as being solely a podcast about Frazier. <laughs> and now the Frazier portions of this podcast are spat out in broken English. <laughs> and tacked on to the end of the episode where basically we're, we just agree that it's funny and then we call it a day. We, we're just confirming that we still like Frasier. We'll get more in depth at some point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll get to it now. Uh, this is the a very good episode. Uh, 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 uh. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> Jesus! No! <laughs> uh, Justin is the Al Borland of the show. <laughs> wait, wait. Does that make me Tim or you, Tim? You're Tim the Toolman Taylor. I'm Wilson. <laughs> Cause you're never you're never here. There always is something yeah. between us. What is happening right now? 
Gee, Al, you're such a fat slob and your mother is disgusting. I'm going to go say problematic masculine things and make a, a neo-right fascist show later that's exactly like this show, but worse. Well, oh, better do some cocaine. No, more power, more no, power. No, here's the thing about home improvement. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I used to watch that show. I used to love that show, right? Is that show... Um, is the show problematic? Yes. Is it? Yes. Yes. There are very problematic instances of it. it because it, Tim is always the buffoon. Tim is always the... the Kind of similar-ish to Frasier, you fucking pieces of shit. <laughs> Frasier is the better show by leaps and bounds. Toxic masculinity is, is the, the butt of the joke. Here's the thing, though. Uh, I've been rewatching a lot of Home Improvement lately and thinking about these things and watching it from a very critical eye. And the thing that makes the show problematic is that the patriarchy, patriarchy is invisible, and it, meaning it's totally inbred. Jill stays at home and works. Uh, uh, intellectuals and eccentrics are shunned. Homophobia is rampant. And these are the accepted norms within the show. Uh, there's I caught an episode where there's a line uh, about uh, uh, Tim being told no, and his uh, uh, rebuttal was, "If I listened when uh, you said no, we wouldn't have Brad." Mm. Ooh, they, yeah, that's, that sucks. So uh. the show is pretty damn problematic. <laughs> you know, it's a great show, Third Rock from the Sun. No, it's not. That show fucking sucks. No, it fucking. Thank rules. you, Frank. No, fuck both of you. John Lithgow is a goddamn treasure. He yep. is, but that show is bad. Oh, you guys can eat shit. <laughs> Fuck you guys. French He's story. a wonderful actor. I'm the one that's thankful for you, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dance on your fucking graves. GG, Al. You sons of bitches. Did I do that? I had a great Did, point about Frasier, what? but I don't want to get lost. In this episode, uh, when Daphne is looking over their family photos, she remarks that uh, Niles is like deathly pale and sickly. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that they envisioned an actor that wasn't as handsome as David Hyde Pierce to play Niles. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's this is a good opportunity for the origin story of the entire character. Of Niles. Yeah, the lore of it was there was no Niles. Um, yeah. But then I guess seeing him audition for something else. He was supposed to be Frasier's uh, psychiatrist friend. Mm-hmm. Not as important a character. But they look so much alike or have very similar... Uh, they have very... kind of similar like jaw structure. Yeah. But, and then on top of that, I'll add, he, uh, David Hyde Pierce has a, sh- a strong subtle, though, uh, <laughs> to uh, John Mahoney as yeah, well. Yeah. So you really can kind of see... It, it's one of the best cast physical families I've ever seen in a television program. I had this yeah. thought about Fraser that Daphne is uh, uh, she's a lower class English person, uh, and, and maybe it was a way of skirting around dealing with issues. But she's more acceptable as just a low class English person. When it would be more likely she would be a woman of color of a American derivation. Oh yeah, she absolutely would be. Yeah. 
but it's more um, acceptable for her to be part of the family and uh it's less confrontational uh i i don't know i think it's a bit whitewashed but look if you don't make daphne a mancunian lady then that means you can't cast jane Lee. robbie coltrane as her brother uh, you son of a bitch <laughs> Also, you Elf- know who else played her brother? Aside oh. from that annoying guy, that Australian guy who was her brother for like three seasons. Oh, Alfred Molina or something like that. No, so, no, but uh, they got Richard E. Grant. Yes, her brother, the yes. great Richard E. Grant. Are we doing with Nail and I? We definitely one hundred percent are. Oh, that's got- a that's going to be a good episode. That's an incredibly problematic movie, but uh, it's so one fucking good. Of the best movies ever made. You know, I think this episode needed this episode of Fraser. What's that? More power. More power. Anyway, guys, what are we watching? What are we reading? What are we listening to? Uh, I want to recommend uh, When I'm Old and Other Stories uh, by Gabrielle Bell. Uh, she's a comics artist. It's a uh, collection of uh autobiographical um but uh magical realist fictionalized uh uh stories uh and it's a wonderful uh thing and i think you should all uh read it bye so there is an excellent uh podcast on the headgum network uh that does not need my help because they're more popular than we are uh they're called we hate movies uh, they're, uh, they're very funny and they've done a couple of episodes on tim allen movies where they'd make that noise a lot um but they've been they've been going for like eight or nine years they're probably one of the funniest podcasts out there one of their most recent episodes on the cat in the hat uh made me look like an insane person on my very early commuter train to philadelphia because I had to like really stop myself from laughing on this sardine can packed train uh, as they outlined the pure sort of madcap insanity, the wrongheadedness that went into that Mike Myers Cat in the Hat adaptation. We hate movies. Give it a listen. Uh, so I stumbled upon a musician who uh, I really dug uh, some of his stuff. He's a guy by the name of Richard Dawson. Uh, he's an English musician. He's um, he does instrumental stuff, but he also sings. Um, it's all acoustic guitar. He'll do weird tunings. He's described as uh, folk prog, mm. and uh, he uh, adds really like whimsical elements. I would describe him as Little Wing meets Joanna Newsom. Mm. So, I mean, that's probably happened, and it was probably awkward. <laughs> yeah, just meeting at us. Hey, are you Joanna Newsom? <laughs> Joanna Newsom, would you please like to? Uh, um, I know Andy Samberg is, you know, your boyfriend and whatnot, but I'm pretty funny too. If yeah, you would just give me, me a uh, chance, look at me uh, juggle these meatballs. Uh, please give me a chance, Joanna Newsom. I'm funnier than Andy Samberg, and I'm more handsome. So, so Little Wing, if you're out there listening, please be a guest on our show. Uh, we'd we'd really love to have you. Duh, I'm Little Wing. Duh. I'm Little Wing. I want to be Joanna Newsom real bad. Anyway, this uh, this guy sounds interesting. Yeah, I'll check him out. What's yeah, his sure. Name? <laughs> his name is Richard Dawson. His latest record's called Peasant. You have to give it a few minutes.
You have to get used to it. <laughs> okay. Uh, please rate and review us on iTunes. iTunes. We are on social media at Plaid Lads Pod on uh, Instagram and Twitter. Please follow us on Twitter. Please follow us on Instagram. Please do it. Please do fucking. You know, <laughs> please rate and review us on Podbean too. That helps. Mm-hmm. Even if you any feedback us helps us. RT our tweets on Twitter. I'm trying to get more active with our Twitter feed. You know, sort of get our social media game up. But he uh, can't remember the password. So somebody please help. No, out I got with the that. password. It's li- it's linked to my other Twitter account now. I mm. thought you were going to say the password for a second. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I am at Frank McDevitt on Twitter. Please at me. I am very pugilistic and confrontational on that particular social media platform. It so sure let's get into it. On Instagram, I've got some things that made me cry on Instagram. That's uh, something that, that is great, by the way. Uh, thank you. Uh, I've got uh, welcome to wonderfalls.bandcamp.com, and I love all of you. Can't be Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving, everyone.